This is a really unique week for the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, and it kind of just happened by nature, but I want to explain to you guys why. I got the privilege to sit down with not one, but two licensed mental health counselors here in the central Orlando area to talk about how our mental health impacts our relationship with food and body image and our ability to achieve health goals. Both of these mental health counselors have very different approaches to how they treat their patients. Today's guest is Jesse Lyon. He is a mental health counselor here in Central Florida that actually owns his own practice, Lyon Mental Health. And he shares about how he uses hypnosis in his treatment. And he explains all the stigmas around hypnosis and it's not something you should be freaked out by. He actually taught me a lot. I didn't realize that a lot of us are actually in a hypnotic state throughout the day pretty frequently. We also talk about how it's important to be the captain of your own ship. We laughed at the end because we were using this phrase so frequently throughout the episode, but the importance of being in the driver's seat when it comes to who you are, the choices you make, and the kind of life you want to live. So many of us let other people decide who we are and what we should be and what we need to do in this world to make an impact when really we should just seek validation from ourselves and not from outside influencers. There was honestly a moment in this episode, and I even called out where I felt like I was in my own therapy session. We talk a lot about how our beliefs about body image, about dieting, about ourselves, about our self-worth lead us down this spiral of disordered or unwanted eating habits. It's amazing. This is going to be such a great episode for you, especially if you can't really figure out why you are stuck in a certain eating routine. I put all of Jesse's contact information in the show notes below, but please let us know what you think of this episode, and I can't wait for you to listen in. What is up? Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. My name is Kate, registered dietitian and emotional eating coach. Each episode, I will bring you a motivational message or an inspiring guest to help you make informed nutrition decisions that fuel your life, not restrict it. Whether you are new to the podcast or an OG listener, thanks for spending this time with me today. Now, let's get into it. Today's episode is sponsored by the Crush Sugar Cravings Virtual Course. This course is going to change your life. If you struggle with having a sweet tooth, or maybe your sugar craving is the reason why you cannot seem to stick to any kind of eating or health or weight loss plan. In this go at your own pace virtual course, you will learn not only why you have sugar cravings, but how to overcome them by implementing strategies that teach you how to change your diet, your mindset, and your lifestyle so you can kick the sugar addiction once and for all. This course is going to change how you see food and the beliefs you have about yourself when it comes to your sweet tooth. I can't wait for you to get your hands on this course. I'm going to go ahead and link it in the bio below in the show notes. I'm only keeping this course out for the holidays. That way you don't feel like you need to start a crash diet on January 1st on New Year's Eve because you have gone through this holiday season 
with a sense of control around food and you didn't overdo it and you didn't overeat all the sugar and all the treats that seems to come in massive quantities this time of year. So get your hands on this course before it's too late. That way you don't have to restrict or ever go on a diet again. Again, that's orlandodietitian.com backslash shop and you will see all of our courses there. Can't wait to see you in the course and hear about your progress. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. I am so stoked about this episode because I am interviewing another incredible guest. He is a licensed mental health therapist. His name is Jesse Lyon, and I'm going to let him introduce himself to you guys today. So welcome to the show, Jesse. Hey, Kate. It's great to be here. I, uh, yeah, I'm a mental health counselor. Uh, I have a private practice, Lyon Counseling in Castleberry. Uh, I've been in practice for a little bit and been practicing out there. Uh, I actually found you on Instagram. Uh, we kind of became Instagram buddies trying to promote the social media stuff um, at Lion Mental Health and uh, was doing that sort of thing. Yeah, you slid into our DMs, the Nutrition Awareness Instagram DMs. <laughs> <I> sure did. <laughs> that is modern networking, but I'm all about it because then you came into the office just so we could get to know each other and kind of understand what the other person did in their practice. And you really blew me away with how you practice because you're not just any (laughs) run-of-the-mill mental health counselor. I don't know if that's right to say, but you take a really unique edge to how you treat your patients. You're you're way too nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I do. I I kind of tentatively use the term psychoanalyst when I talk to myself or kind of refer about the type of work that I do because it is so much different uh, than a lot of the other work that other therapists do. Not to say the one that is better or worse than the other, uh, it's just different. And I think that by using that term psychoanalysis or psychoanalyst, uh, it kind of sets that differentiation and sets up those expectations for my clients. Like one of the things that I do that I know not a lot of other therapists do is I use actual clinical hypnotherapy Mm. in a lot of my therapy sessions and I've seen a lot of success with that Um, and I've found that people really connect with it in a different way and sometimes it can help them break past those things that have held them back uh, in more traditional therapy. Mm, Gotcha. Okay, so it's kind of like in the counselor world, it's similar to the dietetics world where we've got dietitians that have certain specialties. So it's just a different way of practicing and your methods are going to fit somebody differently than somebody who's maybe doing cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, it's just kind of trying to find the right kind of therapy for that individual. So can you kind of explain to listeners who might not be as familiar with hypnosis and, you know, all of the things that you do, what it all entails? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, CBT works a lot with uh, the thought patterns that individuals have and that they're struggling with. You know, CBT comes from the word, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. So we're talking about cognitions, behaviors, and working through that in therapy. With uh, my brand of mental health counseling, with the more psychoanalytic route, you know, it really derives uh, its its thoughts from the old school, like. Sigmund Freud, but more actually from Carl Jung, his his protege, um, and it works a lot more with story and and the story that people find themselves in, the way that they find themselves living, not so much just the thoughts and the behaviors. So, if you're having problems with thoughts and behaviors, uh, CBT is a great route. But a lot of times, you know, it comes down to we know what we should be doing. But it's really difficult to do those things we know we should be doing because it's our emotions, it's our feelings, it's the story that we find ourselves living in, it's the environment that we're inhabiting 
that kind of holds us back from doing those things that we know and getting our, our body and our mind aligned so that way they can come together and create the mental health that we want to have. Amazing. Okay. So it's kind of helping people figure out what situation and what story they're living and how to accomplish whatever kind of goal they're getting to from a mental standpoint. Yeah. Am I right? Exactly. I'm kind of getting there. Okay. Because this is new to me too. In school, when we learned, you know, about different types of psychology in our basic 101 psychology class, right. it, it kind of, it's been a while for me. So this is good. Can you share with me kind of how you got really passionate about what you do? How did you get into this field of work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think uh, <laughs> I think like many of us, I had I had a lot of struggles um, in in undergrad, like switching between majors, trying to figure out like, oh, where am I going to fit in the world? And so, um, you know, I really liked philosophy, and so very quickly found out that philosophy makes you no money. Uh, so I had to kind of let that go. Uh, I thought I was going to be a writer for a little while and kind of had to let that go. But then, you know, as I'm kind of in this place where I'm trying to figure out like, okay, like what sort of significance, like what, what can I offer to the world and and make this place a better place to live? Uh, I kind of thought back to when I was like 15, 16 and I was going through some depression struggles on my own and, you know, some self-harm stuff and, you know, didn't, didn't really know what was going on. I just had these depressed feelings, these sad feelings, these thoughts of worthlessness and trying to understand, uh, you know, what that was all about. I went and sought out mental health counseling on my own and through that experience was able to work through some some really good stuff about who I am and, and what I mean to the world. And that, that experience really impacted me a lot. Wow. And moving through that experience, uh, you know, I thought, well, geez, like, you know, I like the abstract thinking that mental health counseling requires. Like, I like the significance, like, that I can help other people and make them into, you know, what they want to do with their life. So, you know, it just kind of became a natural fit for me. I started taking some of those basic psychology courses you were talking about and working through some of that stuff and just fell more and more in love with it as I went. And so here I am now, like, postgraduate school, post-internship, and, you know, running my own private practice. And I'm more in love with it today than I ever was. Oh, that's amazing. I feel like from a practitioner standpoint that when you go, you know, as the practitioner, when you go through your own struggles, it just helps you empathize with the people you work with so much better. Not saying that somebody who didn't go through a struggle can't be an awesome therapist or an awesome dietitian or Mm, doctor, whatever it is, but it gives you that unique edge where you can really put yourself in the shoes of the people you work with it just it makes the experience for both you as the professional and as the client that much better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no worse feeling than, than <laughs> you know, talking to someone where you feel like they know it all and you know nothing. Yeah. And you feel like you can't connect with them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've been through depression struggles. Like, I'm a constantly anxious person. And it's probably, <laughs> we can get into food stuff there, where like my anxiety oftentimes keeps me from taking care of myself the way that I should and and eating the foods that I know that I should be eating and I'll just grab something real quick because I'm anxious about the next meeting or the next Mm -hmm. thing I have going on in the week so um you know I'm just a regular person like anybody else like been through depression working on my anxiety trying to eat right trying to stay healthy um and so you know I I really like that because in therapy um I mean, I know I didn't like it when I felt like the person I was working with was like the expert and had all the answers. I I felt like I was constantly trying to prove myself, Mm. uh, which is where my food struggles come from, like my self-esteem issues come from. 
And so for me in my therapy sessions, it's really important to have kind of an environment where we're working on this together. And even more than that, not only working on it together, but letting the, the client, like letting the person who needs the help be the drivers of their own ship. Because mm. who knows better what a person needs than themselves? Oh. And I'm just here to provide, you know, some some guidance, some support, uh, some information that maybe not everybody knows and, and allow that person to be the one in charge of their own mental health. Because I really think that's the only way that growth and change happens. Oh, 100%. I like what you're saying of letting people be the drivers of their own ship or the captain of their own ship. Yeah, that's the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, <laughs> so the leader, the conductor, whatever, yeah. whatever they're, whatever kind of vessel that they're steering at the time. Because you're right, we know ourselves better than we know everyone else. And people do feel that urge to prove themselves, I think, to mm. professionals or practitioners. I know that I might have somebody come in here who feels like they need to tell me all the healthy things that they're eating and they're looking for that you know, validation of, hey, I'm eating this and this and this. And I'm like, that's wonderful. I'm really excited for you. But if you were eating so perfectly, if life was so awesome, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be in my office looking to get healthier. Right. You know, So don't feel like you need to prove yourself. I want to create an environment where hey, you can tell me all the good, the bad, the ugly, and we're going to work on it together. But ultimately, responsibility is in, in your hands. Yeah. So I want to kind of go back to what you were saying of your own struggles, because I know a lot of people might deal with anxiety or depression or negative emotions with food. And you have a little bit of a, a less common coping mechanism where you don't really eat as much where some people overeat some people use food to numb emotions or to distract from anxiety or they stress mm -hmm. eat because it's kind of a release you know so you have a little bit of a different approach and before we started recording you kind of told me how you had been coping with that and some ways that you help yourself yeah absolutely I think uh, I'm not people kind of fall into two categories in some ways where you know there's overeating and there's undereating and we should be in the middle where it's healthy um, for me, I definitely fall into the undereating category, uh, and that comes from like my own personal struggles with depression and anxiety because I can often find myself looking toward my work or looking toward my my position or what I'm doing to kind of prove myself, to prove my worth to the world around me, and and if I'm honest to myself, uh, because you know, just like anybody else, we all have doubts, and so. Uh, when when I can stay you know in the office and work uh, for hours and hours um, it allows me to kind of prove myself mm. in a way that's probably unhealthy and so uh, if I just let sort of my natural proclivities sort of take over me I would be the kind of person who would work all day and never take a lunch break and mm. not eat healthy at dinner time just grab something real quick on the way home go to bed do it all over again because deep down I have this need to sort of prove myself yeah. And so, um, you know, people ask me like, well, so so what do you do about that? How do you fix that? And for me, that question kind of embedded inside of it has the same sort of problem that I have naturally, where if I'm asking, OK, how do we fix this? What can you do better? There's the problem. Mm. I'm always looking for what I can do better. I'm always looking to prove myself, to validate who I am, to validate my existence to the world around me. And so if I let myself sort of fall into that trap of, oh man, on top of all the work I do, I now need to eat better and shop better and, you know, get organic foods. Uh, <laughs> but I can't let myself fall into that trap because that trap is what started this whole thing in the beginning. And so for me, the, the process of, you know, nutrition awareness, the process of eating healthier 
starts with uh, putting myself back as the captain of my own ship. Mm. Not letting myself try and prove to other people that I'm worth it, but knowing in my soul, in my being, that I am worth it mm. and that I am okay and that, that I deserve to take time to take care of my body. And that even more than that, if I don't take care of my body, how, how can I take care of other people? How can I take mm. care of my mind? So anyways, for me, it, it all really comes down to like forget other people's opinions. Mm. Other people's opinions don't matter. And I need to reclaim my center. They call it, they call it ego strength. I need to reclaim my uh, locus of control. That's the psycho term. Mm, the locus uh, of control. Locus of control. <laughs> I like it. It's, uh, and they call it a displaced locus of control. When you look to other people to validate yourself and you look to other people like on Instagram or YouTube or, or whatever blogs you're on to say, oh man, I'm not doing that. I should be doing that in order to prove myself. Do whatever you need to do to make yourself healthy and let that be the catalyst for for getting your life right. Oh my gosh, you just said so many important things that I'm just thinking of my audience and the people I work with here really need to hear. So one of the the big things you were saying, okay, is that you as an individual, you use work as a way to validate yourself. And a lot of times Mm. you've had to do that as a way to prove to the world that you're you're whatever, you know, whatever you're trying to prove. I'm work, 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 work. I can do these things. I can accomplish tasks. When I hear that, I think of my own struggles that parallel a lot of what my audience struggles with too, which is using body image as a way to validate to the world that they're worthy. A lot of people use their body size, their weight, or maybe it's their diet and exercise routine to prove to the world that, hey, look, I'm getting something done and my body's proof. My body's proof that I'm hardworking because look at how much body fat I don't have or look at how much weight I've lost. Look at how well I can stick to my exercise program. I exercise 90 minutes a day. Look how awesome I am. I'm hardworking. But really, they're trapped in this cycle of, hey, I'm, I'm just stressing myself out to prove to the world that I'm something and it's making me miserable. It's not really helping anything. I'm not taking care of myself the way I should be. So that's the way I interpret that. I know for me personally, I always felt like as a nutritionist, dietitian, I had to be a certain size and look a certain way. So I would always try to use my body image as a way to validate to the world like, hey, look, I am really good at what I do when really I can validate to myself that I'm really good at what I do by the work I'm doing. Yeah, I got to say, what a pressure that must be, being a nutritionist. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we all deal with, with body image and shame and the, the pressure from other people. But I mean, on top of it, like, this is your job. Yeah. Like, man, that's got to be a lot. I mean, the same way that it can be for me, like, people think, like, oh, man, you must have it all together. I'm like, I got my issues. <laughs> yeah. We all got our issues. And so, uh, yeah, you know, um, I think when it, when it comes to it, you know, the reason I appreciate the work that you do so much and the reason that you are so successful in your business and that people enjoy coming back to you over and over again is because you know that n- there's no one plan that fits everybody. And so you are so specialized and individualized in your plan and you really give people that, um, that care that they need for the person in front of you, not just here's the script, this is what I'm going to say, go do this plan that I give everybody else. You really take the time to make sure that people get the help that they need. And so, I mean, the reason like you work out so well is because it's the same principles that apply in mental health, Mm -hmm. where everyone needs something different. And so if we start to look to other people or even the research to dictate to ourselves what we need to do, we lose out on the real significance of of that information because we're not being honest with ourselves. Mm. And when we're honest with ourselves and 
and that goes both ways honest with ourselves with our mistakes and honest with ourselves where we're really doing it right and we're really great at things uh, when we're honest with ourselves we can use that information to lead us to health and I yes. think that's why you're so successful in what you do because you really embody that in nutrition well I appreciate that thank you but I do I try to take a lesson from therapists and counselors where we need to be curious. We need to ask the people we're working with lots of questions and help them become self-aware because a lot of times I feel like people are just living a life and they don't really realize that the patterns and things that they're doing and the things that they're thinking aren't getting them closer to their goals. They think it's simply, I need to eat this and do this when really it's like, no, we need to get to the root cause of, of what's driving your behavior and what's driving your thoughts. So I appreciate that compliment. And you know what else you were saying when we first met is you were talking about anger and that seems to be something Ooh. yeah that you told me that you really use in your treatment and after we spoke i actually worked with a client who i it, it reminded me of what we were talking about about how releasing these frustrations and this anger that we have can actually be really beneficial can you kind of share your what you told me the first time you met about anger and how you use that in your therapy yeah anger is uh Anger's my favorite emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You freak. <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> anger, anger is my favorite emotion. And um, I think, man, if, if I'm just honest, I think people really misunderstand anger a lot of the time. And, and I've really, you know, I'm really empathetic toward that because there's a lot of times and there's a lot of people who have been hurt by the anger of others. And it really breaks my heart to hear the way that people interact with their own anger based out of their hurt. And so, you know, sometimes we, we let go, we, you know, we displace our locus of control. <laughs> there's that <laughs> there's fancy that, phrase. There's that term. Um, you know, we sort of let go of our own self-evaluation because we're like, I can't be angry because anger hurt me so much in the past. Mm -hmm. I've seen what the inappropriate anger of other people has done to me and to others. And I just can't let that be a part of myself. And so two things kind of happen. One we we neglect uh, and negate the anger that lives inside everybody. Everybody gets angry. Uh, and two, we lose out on the potential that that anger has. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we push that feeling down and it becomes repressed. It kind of, in psychoanalytic terms, it kind of goes into the shadow. Mm -hmm. All those different things that we don't like about ourselves that it's really difficult for us to accept. And when it goes into the shadow, you know, it kind of grows and festers and it comes out in ways that really are not helpful, that really are kind of harmful to our mental health. So anyways, long story to say, anger is my favorite emotion because anger, when integrated appropriately, uh, when understood, is really there for protection. And so I think what I shared with you when we talked last time is anger is kind of called a secondary emotion. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before or any of the listeners out there have heard that before, but what that means is uh, it only comes after something else. And anger always, always covers up two emotions, either pain or fear. Mm. And so, I mean, think about think about any animal, like a little puppy dog even. You know, a little puppy dog's backed in the corner. It's afraid, like, mm. it might lash out a little bit. It might bark. It might snap, you know. Or if, uh, you know, puppy dog's at the vet, right, and getting a shot to make it feel better. Like, ouch, that hurts. It might snap at the doctor. Mm. And so pain and fear cover up our anger because anger, at its core, is a protective emotion. It keeps us safe. We get angry when we need to show uh, more motivation, when we need to show more assertiveness in in our place wherever we're at to care for ourselves in that moment. So for me, utilizing my anger 
and accepting that as a part of myself really does help me with my nutrition journey and helps me say, no, I'm not going to let the opinions of others dictate how I treat myself. Mm. I'm going to put myself in the position that I belong in uh, and I let my anger at you know the, the opinions and the pressures and, and the things that tear me away from my mental health um, to sort of motivate me to care for myself in the way that I need to. And you can almost think of it the way like a mama bear like gets angry to protect her cubs. Like I get angry to protect myself, mm. to keep myself safe, to keep myself healthy and growing and thriving in the way that I should. When you feel angry, does it motivate you to kind of take a step back and say, okay, what am I really feeling in this moment? What's the primary emotion, I suppose, pain or fear? What am I actually fearful of or what is actually causing me pain? Is it is that kind of how you use it too? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you nailed it. Um, it's It's the anger that sort of kicks in without even thinking about it that can be dangerous. Okay. And so it's anger coupled with awareness and acceptance that really is... Um, I mean, just an amazing tool for mental health and for, yeah. you know, nutritional health as well. So you're saying, okay, if somebody is recognizing in themselves that they're constantly getting angry, taking a step back and instead of just being like, I'm an angry person, being able to see that from a place of self-acceptance of, hey, this is how I'm dealing with other emotions. I'm using anger as a way to deal with my fear, or my pain. Am I kind of on the right track there? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Exactly on the right track. Mm, so anger is, uh, you know, when we start to feel angry and we don't know why, we have to kind of stop, slow down, mm. especially not, you got to get an environment that's safe, right? So if you're in the heat of the moment, it's probably going to be very difficult to slow down and to view that anger in, in really an understanding sort of way. So, you know, remove yourself from the situation, whatever that is, and then think about, okay, I know anger is a secondary emotion. And I know that it covers up either pain or fear. And most of the time, both. <laughs> uh, so you can ask yourself, okay, what am I hurting from? What am I afraid of? What's the reality of this situation that's difficult for me to accept? And why am I lashing out in the ways that I am? I've heard before that a lot of times our secondary emotions or the behaviors that we have that maybe aren't the most uh, proactive, I don't know how else to say it, are often ways that we cope with fear and that fear of either not being accepted or loved by other people tend to be big driving factors in why we do a lot of things. And I can see how anger would be one way it manifests. I can see with a lot of the people that I work with, especially because I work with a lot of women, that it's not always anger. A lot of times it's going to be something like, you know, a behavior that they're using to cover up these underlying fears or pains. I see a lot of people using food or exercise as a, as a way to cope, and that's just in my population. Do you see other behaviors or emotions that people use to cover up their fears and, and pains? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, when you ask that question, my mind goes like a million different places because there's so many things that cover up, you know, pain and fear, just like anger does. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, you know, the women that you work with, and especially like moms, you know, uh, I think it's really popular in our culture to uh, to kind of think that women aren't allowed to be angry, to mm, think that you yes. know, women, you know, need to be more like timid and shy and, you know, flirty and mm -hmm. things like that. And it's like, no, like when, when I think of anger, like that image I said before, I think of mama bear. Mm. Like when people, you know, when they, when they document what the pioneers did, like out in the wilderness, like 
they weren't afraid of the boy bears. They were afraid of the girl bears that were protecting the cubs because those are the bigger ones and the angrier ones. Yeah. And so, you know, I think reclaiming that that anger, um, not in a negative way, like not in an unhealthy way, but reclaiming that positive anger, that motivation, really, you could term it as, um, is is something amazing and awesome um, that, you know, you have to you have to let yourself really tap into. I think you just helped me have a breakthrough. I think we're having a little therapy <laughs> session here. Because, Catharsis. Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh, you guys. This is, this is real. So it's like you're in a real therapy session because <clears throat> as a female, I think back to so many times where people have made a comment to me of, you're always happy. Like, you're never. Like, how are you oh. always so cheerful? And I, I used to wear that as a badge of honor. I was like, I don't get angry. I don't get sad. And so when people would actually hurt me, I went back to this story that I let other people write for me of, Kate, you don't get angry. You're not that person. You're always happy. You're always cheerful. It, it was, I took pride in that. And I thought it was a good thing until I kind of realized that, no, that made me kind of hold grudges against people because mm. I would feel angry. Tell them. And not, yeah, right? Hey, <laughs> preach it up here. We're in church. So I would feel <laughs> angry about things and not tell the person. And then I would let that anger kind of fester inside me, but push it down, shove it down and use other unhealthy behaviors to kind of manage this frustration, these grudges that I was holding against people. And for me, a lot of times that was either using food or using over-exercise and dieting. More often I was dieting as a way to distract myself and and try to to make myself forget about all these negative emotions I was feeling. But if I was, when I was on, you know, when I can come to terms with myself and kind of think through it later, I'm like, no, like I'm angry at that person for doing that to me. I'm angry at that person for treating me this way or putting this belief in my head. When I can accept it, then I can finally let go of it, you know, instead of holding on to it and suppressing it. Yeah, geez. And uh, it's it's really brave of you to be so honest and open about that stuff and to, to be really accepting of your own journey and that, like, that doesn't make you any worse of a person, to be honest with yourself. Like, that's really cool. And I like, I like how you even said, you know, story. Like, there was this role that you played in the story that you were you were trying to embody um, and that's a lot of what I do in my practice where you know I, I sort of term myself psychoanalytic you know psychoanalysis because like I use a lot of hypnotherapy um, in my practice and I actually teach with my business partner downtown um, a course called trauma-focused hypnotherapy in order to certify other therapists to work with trauma in that way um, and hypnotherapy is actually really Um, really unique in its ability to be able to target complex traumas and so there's a lot of other therapy modalities out there um, especially for trauma that you know I won't go into or talk bad about but (laughs) hypnotherapy um, is really sort of the origin place of a lot of those different trauma therapies and it's much more creative it's much more dynamic in the way that it's able to target those traumas and because it's so creative and dynamic it's able to treat complex traumas Uh, much differently than some of those other trauma therapies Mm. so like someone who you know maybe has seen overseas you know fighting and been in the military like those other therapies are great at treating those like one-time really significant uh, traumas and and helping to reintegrate those into the story Um, but someone who's maybe experienced like child abuse and then domestic abuse and then like a car accident like that's a lot of complex stuff that really gets integrated into a person's story and can make them feel certain ways that they don't understand Mm. and so through hypnotherapy um, you're able to kind of go back in and sort of rework those stories in a more functional way I'm always kind of hesitant to 
to say the term hypnosis because it carries such like this negative weight and context. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a stigma. Yeah, stigma. It carries this like uh, this idea of manipulation and like almost like brainwashing. It's not like that at all. The way I like to talk to people about it is, um, geez, you're, you're probably doing it right now. If you're in your car driving on your way back from work or on your way to work, um, you're probably zoning out and listening to my voice, listening to Kate's voice and thinking about your life and different images are popping into your head. And before you know it, you know, 30 minutes will pass and you'll be at, you'll be at your job. Well, that's hypnosis. When we concentrate on something and we let our creative mind sort of free form and free float around mm. and bounce around all these ideas while our body just takes care of what it needs to take care of, that's what hypnosis is. And we go in and out of it all the time. The, the other example I like to use is uh, whenever we go see a movie. Mm. Like, I don't know about you, and we should probably talk about my own nutrition here. But, uh, <laughs> movie theater snacks? Gosh, movie theater snacks. Don't even talk about that butter. Stop. And I'm saying that in quotes. Yeah, you should see the, the hard air quotes. <laughs> they were aggressive. Butter. Yes, very. Um, but like when we're at the movies, right? I love I love my soda. And that's, I had, we should talk about that too. I've had a kidney stone <laughs> in the past because Ooh, of not, funny. Yeah, not drinking enough water. Uh, so drink your water. <laughs> PSA. PSA, drink your water. There's your health tip for the episode. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> um, but, like, I love my soda. So I'll get my soda, sit down, watch a movie, and, you know, I'll be sipping on this soda. It'll be an hour into the movie. I'll be like, oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't realize, like, how bad I have to go to the bathroom right now. Mm. Well, I was in a trance by watching this movie. I put yeah. myself into the into the place of the hero or into the place of the action. I was really enjoying myself and letting my mind just sort of imagine and feel what it would be like to mm. be inside that movie. And, you know, then my body snaps me out of it. And I'm like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I got to rush out of the movie theater, hope I don't miss anything. Um, but I, it, it really is kind of my mission to destigmatize hypnosis yeah. uh, because it comes with a lot of those negative connotations and a lot of negative contexts where it's it's really should be understood as something we do all the time. We're in and out of hypnosis every day. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to – the way you illustrated it with the movie and the driving just puts it all in perspective for me and realizing that I purposely will put myself into hypnotic states all the time. I'm just thinking of maybe while I exercise, you know, distracting yeah. from the reality of the discomfort I might be feeling by listening mm. to music or thinking about something else, you know, purposely putting myself into that state. One thing that I thought of that you were speaking on, you know, kind of in the beginning was, okay, you have this therapy for people that are experiencing complex traumas. And I think a lot of times that when we think about therapy, we think we need to go through something like abuse or we need to go through something really, really pivotal. But there could be instances in our life that still have a major impact on how we think and the struggles that we have that maybe we don't realize, but we think just because relative to what we see in the media, what we hear from our friends and family that our negative experiences in our complex life story isn't worthy enough for therapy treatment. When really everyone's story is unique and we all have our own struggles and they really should just be relative to ourselves, you know? Just because somebody hasn't gone through PTSD and they haven't gone overseas and seen violence or maybe they weren't abused, but they were bullied in school and they just kind of wrote it off as, oh, like everyone gets bullied, but really it affects them throughout their whole entire life. Or maybe they had a family member who made comments to them or made little side judgments that constantly made them feel a certain way. Or maybe there were those specific moments that stood out, but they weren't violent and they weren't abusive in nature. Mm. 
could those people still benefit from hypnotic therapy or would you say that they need some other kind of treatment? Oh, absolutely. I think um, I really like the trend in especially the online communities and Instagram and stuff like that. Um, and might I just plug you here? Your Instagram is amazing because you get on video and you talk about these things. And that's just so much easier for me with somebody with a short attention span to oh, appreciate. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Plug your plug your Instagram. Well, and it, it, it came out of my own frustrations with seeing all these like, you know, really bland aphorisms and, you know, not to throw shade on anybody, but, you know, it, it wasn't meaningful to me because there wasn't a face, there wasn't passion behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've really made it my mission to use my Instagram, like to show my face, to embrace my own fears about being on camera, because gosh, like that's a lot of pressure, um, and to speak to people through my own demonstration. So my Instagram at Lion Mental Health, and that's Lion L Y O N uh, Mental Health. Um, that's my Instagram. I'd love it if you followed. We actually hit uh, 2,000 followers Woo-hoo! just the other day, so I'm doing a giveaway on my page. Um, oh, yeah. It's how, pretty, wait, how long cool. does the giveaway go for? It's till Friday the 1st. So the day after Halloween uh, is how long I'm doing it for. So at Lion Mental Health, L Y O N, if you're interested in that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I really like to, to be be on there kind of like as an advocate for those things and to, and to be a, a face that's able to be connected with because, you know, through, through being honest about our own, our own struggles and, and the things that we go through, um, we're able to connect with other people and, and really feel together as like a community, as like a group, and to know that all of us are normal going through those things. And so to answer your original question, uh, yeah, I think everybody – should should consider and should go to uh, some mental health counseling um, and don't be afraid to switch counselors or to find the right person that fits you because everyone's got a different personality and you know if you've had a bad experience with a therapist before like I'm really sorry to hear that um, but there's a lot of other therapists out there who work very differently mm-hmm. just I mean even as evidenced by me being on your podcast here and the way that I work differently from other therapists so mm-hmm. um, anyways on on Instagram it's really popular they call them a uh, mental health checkups Ooh. so like you just go in like there's no commitment you know a lot of places actually like my partner um hd counseling uh will do like first session for free oh it's like just go just go talk to somebody like get get a second opinion you know i i do phone consultations for free like free like you know mental health assessment over the phone real quick just to talk about what's going on and i'll give you my opinion we'll see if it's right for you um and move from there so yeah absolutely because the honest thing about it is um, if you've lived in your story for however many years you've been alive, it's really going to be difficult to see anything other than the story that you're living in. Mm. And so I know that you understand that a lot with people's nutrition journeys, people's health journeys, because they've lived their lives in a way um, mm-hmm. that it's hard to see past anymore because it's mm-hmm. become so ingrained, become so normal. And so when they talk to somebody like you who cares and is empathetic, and able to understand them and you're like hey you know have you ever thought about this or hey like why do you do that mm-hmm. sounds like you're really hurting yourself mm-hmm. um you can help them be like oh well that that does make a lot of sense yeah. and so not in a judgmental way but just saying well maybe there's an easier way to do this mm-hmm. maybe you don't need to stress out so much maybe the anxiety and stress you're feeling like uh could be easier mm-hmm. and maybe it is out of proportion i i agree because when somebody comes in here <clears throat> excuse me They'll tell me a lot of times, I'll hear a statement where someone says something like, oh, I I just can't eat vegetables. <laughs> That's just mm. a very, very, very simple example here. And I'm like, why? 
you know, if I just ask why? And they're like, well, I don't like them. And I'm like, when was the last time you had one? And they'll be like, 15 years ago. Mm. Okay, let's rewrite your story and your beliefs about vegetables. And that's yes. just a very silly example. And I'm just saying that's very surface level for people to understand. But then if people are like, oh, okay, they haven't even thought about trying vegetables because they decided at one point in their lives that they didn't like vegetables. And from here on forward, that's who they are. They're someone that doesn't eat vegetables. So the same could go for somebody who feels like they're fat. They're meant to be fat. I see this one all the time. Yeah. I have the fat gene. I'm meant to be fat. My mom, my mom was fat. My grandma was fat. All the women in my family, they're a certain body size. I'll never be fit. And I'm like, why? Genetics. Okay, well, okay. So you have this belief that your genetics are going to dictate how your body shape should look based on your understanding of what your family's gone through. Why can't you be different? And when I ask something like that, people are like, I don't know. Why can't I? And then it's just like a breakthrough. It's like we just broke through a huge window and a whole new world of possibilities. Like I get this visual in my head. I'm like, we're in this dark box of belief and we bust through the door. We bust through the window and the whole outdoors, the whole field is there. It's just a realm of possibilities for someone to break through these limiting beliefs they have about themselves and these stories they wrote. So I feel like when we can ask ourselves questions and ask the people we work with and even ask our friends in our day-to-day life, our colleagues questions, that's a lot more useful than just giving them advice. Because, mm. you know, instead of just giving, you know, I'll give advice I'll when, it, when it's needed. I'll give education. I'll do those kind of things when someone needs it. But really breaking through the barriers and asking questions and being like, well, why do you think that? Have you thought about this? How do you feel about doing this instead? What, what can we do to change your understanding of who you are and what you're capable of? Well, that's what really makes a difference. And that's when people come back into my office and they're like, I was able to actually do something that I never thought I was able to do. And I'm seeing results. And I'm like, hell to the yes. Not even surprised <laughs> because you figured it out. Right. And, and that's just, yeah. yeah, you know, you know what we I'm call saying. them psych psych term two for the day Ooh. is called a uh, learned limitations. Mm, learned limitations. Learned limitations. We learn that like, oh, I'm just going to be this way forever. Mm. Like, well, who told you that? Yeah. Why? Yeah. You, know, you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think I'm a dinosaur. You know? <laughs> Fly through the air like a pterodactyl. A ter- I was going to say, what kind of dinosaur do you Oh, yeah. Go? One that can fly for sure. That would be pretty amazing. See, I'm all about being a long neck because I think that'd be really helpful. Ooh. What's that one? I don't even know the real phrase. But of I was... course, even as a dinosaur, you'd eat vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, I roll. I roll. But wah, they're really wah. gentle and they're nice. Wait, maybe that's the... <gasps> Whoa, you guys. Uh, I need to be a T-Rex or something angry. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Like a like a velociraptor, you can like <laughs> you can have you can have friends, but you're like you go you go tear them up. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wait, yes, I like that. Okay, that's gonna be my new alter ego. Velociraptor Kate. Velociraptor Kate, say that five times fast. <laughs> oh please don't. I'm <laughs> I'll be here all day. <laughs> Well, Jesse, this has been so much fun. We're going to wrap it up here. But if you could give one piece of advice to maybe someone listening to this and they're like, okay, this, I've learned so much. I think I have a lot of breakthroughs that I need to get through. I think I have a lot of, of digging within myself that I need to start working at. What's a big piece of takeaway advice you would have for someone who is looking to start becoming more self-aware to, to make some breakthroughs? Oh, man. So many different thoughts running through my head. There's there's so much good information out there that's important. But uh, if I was gonna if I was gonna boil it down and give you one thing uh, on your way to work on your way back home, just to think about, um, don't let the opinions of others dictate what you need to do with your life. Mm. Be honest with yourself. 
accept yourself for where you are, for what you can do, for what you're capable of, uh, and be aware of what it is that's going on inside of you and move through those things. Don't Mm. be afraid. Uh, Don't let the opinions of others hold you back, but reach out, get the information you need, and let yourself be, be the captain of your own ship. Man, that's the phrase of the episode. Be the captain of your own ship. I think so. And I'm smiling while I say it, but it's true. It's it's. I think sometimes those little cl- cliche phrases are the ones that we really need to take a step back at and really look at. Like, what does that mean? We hear that all the time, but what does it mean? It means deciding what you want to do with your life and deciding who you are. And you can reinvent yourself and reinvent your story anytime you want. You don't have to pick up and move across country. You don't have to make some dramatic shift. You can just decide, hey... This is something I want for myself, and this is something that I can change today. So I think that was amazing. And Jesse, I want to thank you so much for coming all the way out here and fighting the Orlando traffic oh to come gosh. speak. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, guys, this is so funny. He texts me. He's like, hey, I'm going to be five minutes late. And if you've ever seen that meme where it's like millennials, shows up late with Starbucks in hand. <laughs> me. <laughs> That's okay, because I'm a coffee addict. I actually... <laughs> Jesse walks in here. I'm in the little break room of our office putting a metal Tervis cup in the microwave. I was like, Kate, what are you doing? You're going to blow up the microwave. It's 10 a.m., you guys, and I hadn't had my coffee yet. I was making my mushroom coffee, which also Jesse thinks I'm weird for. Mushroom coffee? I don't know. What it, what even is that? Okay, so it's That's mushroom. fungus coffee. That's what that is. Fungus coffee. Hey, well, the whole premise behind this is that we actually share a lot of DNA with mushrooms, so why not ingest them? <laughs> So I'm sending you home with a uh, sample of lion's mane and chaga mushroom mushroom oh coffee mix. I so. think I'll stick with pterodactyl instead of being Jesse the mushroom. <laughs> hey, you can reinvent your story with this oh, here, man. right? All right? I'm a work on it. Your beliefs on I'll what coffee should be and how you get your caffeine. <laughs> All right. Let people know. We know that we can find you on Instagram at Lion Mental Health. Any other places that people can get in contact with you if they're interested in your services or just learning more about psycho therapy yeah absolutely i'm i'm all about uh connecting and answering questions don't don't feel bad that you're going to contact me or that you're going to annoy me um, because that's that's never the case um so i give my number out on instagram 321-430-5966 just send me a text if you got a question i'll answer it you know if you just need someone to you know bounce an idea off of let me know i don't mind doing that and maybe in session may have to get back to you later but send me a text 321-430-5966 can I put that in the show notes? Yeah, absolutely. All Why right. not? It'll be in the show notes, so you guys can literally just click it and call right now. No excuses. Thanks again, Jesse, and I will see you guys on the next episode. Uh, thanks so much for having me here, Kate. It's been a, been a privilege. Uh. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. 
This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real, 